Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hey, hey, family, it's Kate Warman here, and I want to welcome you to the Heart of Dating podcast. I am so grateful you decided to listen in today. Now, before we get into our content, I want to remind you to not miss out on our short mini series on the topic of navigating the beginning stages of dating. So far, we've talked about general guidelines for stage one dating. Then we went over the art of intentionality. And last week, I covered how to avoid an awkward first date, which so many of us have been on one of those. Now, this week, we're talking about how to turn someone down and handle ghosting. (laughs) Unfortunately, many of us have been in that scenario. These episodes are short and easy to listen to, so be sure to check them out. Now, I am thrilled for our conversation today because late last year, I went to Israel for the first time and I just had such an incredible trip walking where Jesus walked, learning from incredibly wise people and also making amazing friends. Now, on that trip, I had the honor of meeting the amazing Pastor Chad Gamble, our guest today. Throughout our time in Israel, Chad just really stuck out to me as one of the kindest, most genuine, wise and loving men. His spirit was just filled with joy every single morning. Even we were waking up at the butt crack of dawn and totally jet lagged. He was still joyful. And what I loved even more was his love for his wife and his family. His eyes just lit up every single time he talked about them. And while we were there, he actually shared a beautiful story about the last time he was in Israel in his 30s, in his singleness, where he prayed a specific prayer about meeting his wife. And he put that prayer in the Western Wall. And then weeks later, he actually met her. It is such an incredible story. So you guys, I am excited for you to hear what it was like for Chad to be patient, continue to steadfastly pursue God and pursue dating and pursue prayer all during his single years. It is such an inspiration. So let me introduce Chad a bit more before we get into this conversation today. Pastor Chad Gamble is married to Brittany Griffith Gamble, and they have two incredible kids, Everly and Rhett. Chad is passionate about his family, people, and serving them as well as sports ministry. He serves as a full-time pastor and is on staff in a part-time role with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. He loves watching sports, playing sports, going out to hunt, anything with cars and motorcycles, and cheering on the Clemson Tigers in football, as well as his beloved Tar Heels in basketball, which he hopes you don't judge him for that one. His vision for the church is to see a young, thriving community mature into a well-rounded, balanced ministry that has global impact through missions and church planting. He would just love to see lights happen all over the world. Oh my gosh, you guys, are you ready for the amazing energy, spirit, and testimony from Pastor Chad today. I am so excited for you to hear this conversation. So let's get into it. Pastor Chad Gamble, welcome to Heart of Dating Podcast today. 
Hey, thanks for the invitation. I'm excited. I'm so pumped about it. Um, and Chad, I feel like I've known you for longer, but I've really only known you, what, a month and a half now, right? I think it's been six or seven weeks since our Israel trip, which is crazy. That's exactly right. That's oh exactly God. right. So did not know each other and got a chance to meet in Israel, which was just the most phenomenal trip in the entire world. Oh my gosh, seriously. I love it so much. For everyone who doesn't know who you are, Chad, will you just say a little bit about where you're from, who you are, what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Chad Gamble, I pastor Gospelite Church in Anderson, South Carolina. I have been on an interesting journey of life to get to an incredible crossroad now that I'm pastoring. I was a youth pastor for 17 years and I uh, had the time of my life doing that. And now I work in sports ministry with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in our local context, our local chapter here. And, um, and so just probably one of the most incredible seasons of life that I've ever experienced. I was sharing with somebody even uh, earlier today that you know, this is what I always dreamed of. So this was <laughs> some dreams coming true now, a little bit later in life at all yes. happening. But I pastor now working uh, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I have two small children, one four, one two. Everly is four, Red is two. <laughs> and I'm married to the love of my life for six years. Yes. And uh, yeah, it's just the most incredible thing. So yeah, that's just a little bit about me. <laughs> You're doing some amazing things, Chad. And I get why people want you in their life because on our Israel trip, like I was just like this guy, it, when I first heard you speak, I'll just go to that moment when we were all kind of introducing ourselves. No one, some people knew each other. I definitely didn't know people on the trip, really. I knew like two people going on the trip. And I just remember it got to you around the room and I was like, this guy is just filled with light the way your face lights up and smile and joy like God's joy really is within you and you just spoke with so much excitement and passion and it was your second trip to Israel I remember and yeah. I just anyway and then I got a chance to get to know you in Israel which was so awesome and special and what a fabulous trip. I mean, everyone needs to go to Israel. It's my favorite place. Yeah. <laughs> but I I was just really touched by also you know, the way you speak about your, your wife and your life now and your journey and how God brought you here. And I know that you got married. How old were you when you got married? I don't know if I know that. 35 years old. Yeah. Yeah. So it's amazing. I was 35 and she was 25. Oh, wow. And she was in a very interesting situation as well because mm. she was at a place that she pretty much was kissing, dating goodbye. She had just, <laughs> uh, and said no said no to anybody that was going to be in ministry. She oh, wow. herself being a, a, a pastor's daughter and had been kind of, you know, leaning towards a lot of men in ministry and this kind of thing. And then, you know, found out most of them weren't serious. Most of them were goofballs and <laughs> a lot of them just weren't who they would say they were. Mm. And so she just said, forget it. I'm going to pursue my education. She got her master's degree from Clemson university. She was going to just pursue herself. Uh, she even unusually, you see her now, and if you look at a picture, you wouldn't think, but uh, she has a proficiency in Homeland Security, uh, and wow. you would just wouldn't think she would go to that degree. She was going to go to um, Washington and work there, and then here I was in my position at 35 and begging God, and which is part of the story, too, of Israel and how that plays into yes. my first trip. Um, I'd love for you to share that too. Yeah. Yeah. Begging God to bring that perfect person, not just a person, but the mm. perfect person in my life. And then 
God just put us together on, which is so crazy, on Facebook. We became friends. And the, and, the, and the reason for it is I was in ministry. And so she had reached out because she was looking for a place as a single lady to at least get involved. And we had a larger church. And so she knew that I was over some of those ministries. And so she reached out. And just in a jovial way, I was saying, you know, what's what's a single girl like you looking? And I kind of even took a bit of a risque move even <laughs> on there. And, and it was a bit of flirtation, which just led to our first date. Yes. But it's just the most incredible thing how when God did it, it happened so fast to the point where even on the first date, a blind date, when I watched her come around the corner, I just knew. Oh, I mean, wow. I knew without a doubt it, you talk about love at first sight. I would have never in a million years thought that was true right? until my situation. Mm. And a lot of it was because of the preparation uh, yes. the specific prayers, you know, the, the fasting, the praying, the, uh, the, the finally getting to the terms on my, in my own heart. Mm. I, I'm, I'm just really not in a position that I want to go fishing in all these different ponds. Lord, I just want you to put the right fish on my hook. I, I don't even want to do it. I just want you to do it. And yes. so, and that was part of, you know, the story of my Israel trip, which I shared with you and the others yes. was when I went over, I had a list of specific things that I was praying for. Here's what I knew that I needed. And here's what my heart wanted. And here are some things that I just would love to have. Lord, if you'd let me have this, I would love to have this. I would love to be able to look into a woman's eyes and just think she has the most beautiful eyes. So mm -hmm. I would like this. And, and I know some of those things don't have to be specific in such ways, but I, I teach people and preach to people specific prayers, mm -hmm. get specific answers. Yes. And when I prayed specifically, not did he just meet one or two, he met all. And he went exceedingly abundantly because, you know, even her being younger, she had an old soul. She had a more mature aspect of life. And and we just connected. We connected on a, a mental level, a spiritual level, a physical level. I mean, she was into fitness and all this kind of stuff. And at that mm -hmm. point, I was really, really into it. And so God put all those things together because of those prayers that I prayed at the Wailing Wall uh, on, on the Sea of Galilee when we had a prayer service there and just asking God to, to meet these certain places in my life. And, mm. and then remembering that I'd wrote those things on a piece of paper and stuck it in one of those small <laughs> cracks and crevices right there at the Western wall. Wow. And I just said, okay, Lord, when I go back to the States, I'm just going to wait on you and I'm no longer going to look, I'm no longer going to anticipate that I just have to keep my eyes open because she may show up and I'm just going to rest in you and sure as the world, two weeks later, I get a message on Facebook that I didn't solicit. It came to me <laughs> and it turned into a first date, which turned into the next day to a second date, which then turned into my destiny. So um, <laughs> it's 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 really incredible. And I get to share that because so many of the young people that you know I was serving for all those years, they were in such pressure cooker situations. They got to yeah. find somebody. They feel more pressure than ever before. They got married early. They've had struggles. They've had problems. And and then I get a chance to be somewhat of an example, you know, yes. somewhat not to do, somewhat to do. But waiting on the Lord, you'd make no mistakes. Mm. And so I was able to share those kind of things and continue to share those kind of things. So, man, God will just blow your mind. Today for lunch, went out with a young man in our church and <laughs> sharing just those exact things as he himself has went through a recent hurt and heartache and a breakup and just telling him, hey, man, wait, 
because right now it seems awful dark, but yeah. tomorrow is going to be a new morning. And not only is God going to give us a, a beautiful sunrise, but he's going to give you hope that he's going to fulfill some great things mm -hmm. in your life. So, so isn't that awesome? I mean, I and, and, I, and I know I'm an old man now. I'm 42, <laughs> but I've been living it. I'm telling you, I've been living it now for the last seven years of my life yes. of seeing God fulfill my my dreams that I never even spoke out of my mouth. Mm. They were just in my heart and my mind. And he fulfilled all those things, all the waiting, all the hoping. Mm. It, it just, they come to pass. And now it's like, I'm living my best life and I'm almost scared <laughs> to close my eyes. You know, I don't <laughs> yes. want to, I don't want it to stop, you know? So. Well, and I love that too, because I think that it's so it's such a testament, Chad, to who you are and the journey you had even before you met Brittany, because you truly are, you soak in every moment. You are like, I don't take this for granted. I think both with just oh. people, like not only just in your marriage with Brittany and your, your two lovely kids, but even in Israel, I could notice like, you're like, I'm soaking in these moments. I'm taking notes. I am like, I want to reflect yeah. on this and process. And like, like you didn't let a moment pass by. I don't even think I ever heard you complain. Like, and we did a lot of that trip. And I was just like, wow, like he is a man who even in, in both amazing seasons, I think the only way we really can be that present and that grateful for the amazing seasons and the amazing things in our life is because we've been able to weather the storm. Otherwise we're just like, okay, cool. Another great thing, you know? Awesome. Yeah. And we kind of take yeah. it for granted a little bit. And so That's for cool. me, it was less like, oh, this guy just has this perfect life. It's more like, oh no, what has happened in his life mm -hmm. to allow him to be so present in God's blessings every yeah. single day. And I, I have to think that some of that had to do with your journey, even in singleness before you met Brittany. Oh, yeah. um, I'd love oh, to yeah. hear just even a bit about that chat and like, you know, getting married at 35 and we have so many people in our community. I'm 30. Lots of people in our community are in their thirties in their forties even. And they're just like, what the heck God, like what is happening? What was that kind of like for you? You know, I, I would love Man, would I love to tell you that I was a spiritual giant and had an unbelievable depth in my 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 walk that I just could draw from and had a deep well. But the truth of the matter was I just learned to survive. I just learned to get by. I learned to find joy in moments. Mm. I, I often say, you know, I, I had a bit of a bipolar emotional experience during those years because I could find joy. In the moment when I would see all my friends on social media and all my friends were having babies and raising kids. And before you know it, they're not just kids. Now they're in elementary school. And, <laughs> yes. and then and then now they're getting older and they're experiencing all these benchmarks in life. And they can't have conversations with me. Even my very best friends in life couldn't have conversations with me about parenthood because mm. they couldn't I couldn't relate. And then even as a youth pastor, oh, this is what hurt so much. And I did, yeah. I, I try to let it roll off my back, but it did sting is when people would come to me and say, well, wait till you have kids. Mm. Well, you know what? I would love to say I'm ready to go. And I love to say I kind of know what I would do, but truth of the matter, I wouldn't. And they didn't realize how much it really did sting because that's one of my greatest desires, not just to be yeah. married, but to, to be a daddy. I, I mean, I wanted to have the opportunity and I saw the good, bad, and the ugly of parenting and wanted to at least have my shot at it, mm. you know? And that yeah. oftentimes, you know, parents would be going through struggles with teenagers, which happened more times than not. And then sure as the world, you'd be sitting down in a counseling session or talking to them and like, well, you just wait till you have kids. And I'll be like, well, I really want to, it's just not happening. <laughs> Thanks you know? for reminding and, me. <laughs> yeah. And so they would hold that over your head. And then in those moments though, 
that I would feel maybe that I'm missing out or I, I don't mm-hmm. have this and this that that bipolar personality uh, uh, I say that almost in a in a, a jovial way I shouldn't mm-hmm. joke about it but then in that moment that you feel bad you also feel good because you're like yeah but I, I have freedom right and I can do this and so I found certain happiness too because I didn't have to ask people where I had to go. You know, I could go work out late at night or I could go to a movie or I could do all these other things. And I did a ton of traveling. And so I filled my life from morning till night. But then, you know, there came a night and after every single day I had to go home. And when I would go home, then it was just me, you know, and it was just tough. And in those moments when all the noise was away and all the people were away and things were turned off, there would just be this blank white noise of life that just kept reminding me, ah, you need somebody. And mm-hmm. I was always longing. So I never was a yeah. real good loner. Uh, I could get by, but I loved community mm-hmm. and longed to have that person that I could just do life with, to joke with, to fight with, to love with, uh, everything in between. And so that's when I was reminded. So that journey of being single was such an interesting roller coaster ride because I found myself enjoying it because I did want to take in every moment. Mm. And I knew in my heart, I knew God one day was going to have a perfect one for me. Mm. And so I didn't want to look back and say, well, I wasted it. So I just poured myself into people. I yeah. poured myself into experiences. I was the one that would, instead of look to ways to get out of things, I would look ways to get into things. I would say yes to almost everything because I didn't want to miss out. And and I got a chance to enjoy. It filled my life. Mm. But at the same time, it just constantly reminded me too how much I would have loved to have done that with somebody, with my person, yeah, you know? Yeah. So, and that's the interesting thing about ministry is it's difficult to do it single. And I was very thankful that my church surrounded me with parameters and accountability. And, you know, there was never one occasion that ever, anything was ever even uh, alleged about my intentions yeah. with the way that I was, I was being a youth pastor, even with young ladies that, yes. that some of them, and, and even at the point where, you know, I hear I marry someone 25, I would have never imagined I would have married somebody that young, which potentially could have been someone in my youth group, you know, <laughs> at one point, but, but to keep that right mentality and to stay mm. focused and to have a sisterly love and never let anything come in the way of mm. ministry, even though I was, you know, desperately seeking the Lord to fulfill that position in my life that I could find her, you mm. know. So, I'm, um, I'm inspired by that too, as somebody who's has a ministry, it's a bit of a different situation, but yeah, it's, it's definitely tough to really, for me, make sure I'm, I'm keeping myself up, I'm upholding my level of standards that I'm setting and sharing with people. You know, you preach one thing and then you're trying to live that out. I mean, I, that's oh, kind wow. of what we all do. But I mean, when it comes to dating, I'm preaching about dating, you know? And so I'm like, when yeah. I'm actually dating, I need to do my best to live up to those standards. So am I going to engage in emotional friendships with guys? No, I shouldn't. Maybe I did in the past, but I'm convicted about that. And I don't want to, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to be intentional. I want to be clear with boundaries, with male friendships, you know, and truly friendships, platonic friendships. And so, yeah, yeah, I love, I love even that you just brought that up, you know, and I'm so thankful that you're real about just the struggle and those nights of feeling like, wow, I feel alone. (laughs) Like, oh my gosh, what did it, look like to just like you said before like fasting and things like that what was it like to 
be frustrated or really press in to lamenting or praying? Like what, how did that kind of pan out in your singleness life? Yeah, it just had to come to a, a real crossroad of just getting like serious, like looking in the mirror and not just looking through the reflection, but looking deep into the reflection to mm. get just honest with yourself and saying, all right, how bad do you want this? Mm. And it's not going to the Lord and pouting and saying, Lord, you're not giving me what I want mm. because I've done that too many times. You know, I wanted a different car. Or I wanted a, uh, a different thing or I wanted to, you know, and so I just needed him to provide. He's the great provider. He's He's the one that, that gives to us, you know. But when I went to him about my person, then I wanted to go to him to not just say, hey, I want a person, but I want the person. And so I had to just take it a next level serious. Like mm. this is a really major deal that I'm going to get so serious about. I will not have been serious about any other area in my life any greater than this one. Mm. And so to be able to take the time and it started off simply with just Wednesdays. I just took Wednesdays and did not eat a thing. Um, and it mm. was just not any kind of, you know, epiphany, great spiritual move, but it was just denying myself a meal, two meals, three meals a day, whatever I would normally eat, usually two, but I just denied myself food that day. And I'll never forget those moments that I would get hungry. I'd be busy or just want to stop by the gas station, grab something, or, or maybe, you know, on Wednesday nights we had our youth events and we'd usually have something to eat and there'd be so much temptation even for me to like grab a cookie or grab a drink. And, and on those days, because I had chosen even a hard day to do it, it just drove me even more into the intentionality of saying, all right, I'm denying something that I want so I can have something I want more. Mm. And I want more than anything in this world to have this. So Lord, you can take it all away. I'll, I'll give up ministry. I'll give up anything that's in my life because this is how bad I want it. So I had to get to that place too. Mm. And I don't know if that's right, Kate. I really don't know if it's if it's right to say that that has to be the number one thing. But for me, it just became that serious Yeah. that for the next level of my life as now I'm looking down the pipe and forties coming quick. I came to this resolve that before I was 40, I wanted to have some things really settled in my life. And that was number one on the list yes. to find who she was and then to be the very best me to present to her. Mm. Um, because I wasn't a perfect man. I mean, there was some reasons why I was single. I mean, I, I wasn't probably the, the the best catch because I was uh, married to the ministry most of the time. Yeah. You know, I, I, a, a woman would probably been a, a side girl, to be yeah. honest. You know, yeah. I was probably more interested in that than her. Uh, I, I don't know if I would have been the best father, although I thought I would be. Mm -hmm. So it took some maturing. What I look back in retrospect now of 2020 uh, it took it took a lot of years of my life to mature me mm. to the point where I was just, you know, no longer any games, but I was going to be super intentional, soak in the moments, make it count. And then because of my positioning in ministry, I could have maximum impact of influence of even by example, how I love my wife, how I treat my wife, mm. how I lead in my family, how I take care of my children how I prioritize them even in ministry, which is 
nine times out of 10, a very poor example for most in leadership. Mm, And so I wanted to be a good example too. So God's given me that platform as well. And I've been able to make some wise decisions. I'm not perfect. I'm still growing, (laughs) but you know, it took those, you know, and and those years of my life. And I almost embarrassed to say, you know, it took till 35, you know, to really get to that. Mm -hmm. I think that place of preparedness. So, Mm, but I love that too, because there's so there's so much purpose in how God weaved your story into you preparing you for marriage. Like I do think that there's a level of when we get married at 22 or whatever, it's like, it's really hard to know who you really are at that age. And there's, there's a benefit to you grow in life together and you learn things together and that really grows you up and there's benefits to that. But I, I actually really love that I've gotten to have this journey of singleness and figuring myself out outside of being married. And I think that there, there is such a gift within that to be able to have deep intimacy in friendship, to have deep perseverance. Cause I think that in singleness, it takes a lot of of faith and it takes a lot of persevering. Not that it doesn't in marriage. It totally does take that as well. But I think that, you know, you know, really, because it feels, can feel really alone and can feel really, um, frustrating. And it's a beautiful opportunity that we should use to steward. How can I be the best person possible for someone else? And how can I figure out who I am? And I love also, Chad, that you just were living out your purpose. Like it's totally fine to quote unquote, wait on God. But I think that when we say that I'm not like, don't wait in terms of like doing nothing with your life. Like, yeah. <laughs> like this is the time to live out your purpose. I mean, Jesus was single and Paul was single and like two big epic single examples in the Bible, like doing amazing things with ministry work and helping people. Oh, wow. And that is what God has for us in this season too. Mm-hmm. And I think that, yeah. yeah, you maybe you were married to your ministry a little bit in ways and I have totally been convicted on that in my own personality and what I do. But there's also yeah. a level of, wow, there's awesome things happening in my singleness. And I'm going to look back and be like, those years weren't just wasted me being like, oh, yeah. my life sucks. And oh, I'm just waiting for somebody. Oh, it was yeah. it was spent chasing after God, figuring out myself and building a ministry or building something to help the kingdom in some capacity, whether that's your day job or whether that's for people not in ministry, doing things outside of that or making impact in your job where you currently are. Yeah. And, and working on tr- the true you, the true you. Yes. So then you can be absolutely honest to someone when you stand before them on that day that you say, I do. And you say, I, you know, I honestly give you my all, you mm. know, I can do that on that day because I've really worked on the true me. You know, I say this often, God can't fix who you pretend to be. And so many, so many people are faking it mm. and they fake it to the point where they don't even know who they really are. Mm. So we have identity crisis. We have people trying to figure their way through and you take your average 21 year old, they may have some clarity they may be able to have some some confidence that they feel like they know who they are. But until you're tested on some things too, mm-hmm. do you really find out who you truly are? Yeah. And and I'm not, you know, I would never advocate and tell somebody, no, you can't get married at 21. But I will say this, if you're in a position that you are waiting on God, then he's given you some real stability that when you do get married, you're going to weather some storms and you're going to be that much more firmly grounded and you'll have that much more of an opportunity to not fall into the prey tale of the statistics of divorce and all the other problems because now 
I mean, even in the context of where I'm at, I mean, I do a ton of marriage counseling mm. and premarital counseling. And now what I can bring to the table is a, a whole different angle of trying to help people and, and, and reminding them that, you know, where they're at is not final. But I do see as a trend, those that have got married a little bit later have way less issues. They seem to have a little bit more grounding as yeah. a parent. They have more grounding in their finance because those are the pitfalls is, you know, the, the finances. And, and of course, then when it comes to our external, when people bring mm-hmm. things in like other relationships and things that just tears yeah, relationships apart. Yeah. But, but like for me, and I'm not telling you, I'm, I would never say never, but I'm in a position where I waited too long to have some girl come by and shake her tail feather and, and, and turn me away from what I waited so long for, you know, there's a certain confidence that then my wife has in me that I have eyes for her. I have a heart for her and we're going to guard our marriage. So I'm going to fight for it. And she knows I'm fighting for it. I fight for our time together. I fight for her attention and she does the same for me. And so that it it gives you a more intense, I think, um, mental capacity yeah. of being able to even watch out for some of the pitfalls. And especially the older you get, the more you say, well, that couple didn't make it. And yes. that couple didn't make it. And if my wife was on this interview here, she would tell you this one thing in this particular area of the conversation, this was her greatest fear. Cause in, even in ministry all through the years, she got a chance to watch so many marriages, not make mm. it even in ministry. Mm, so true. And yeah. she's like, well, I don't know if I want to get married to a preacher because most of them, they, you know, they, they're in the spotlight, but then it doesn't, it's not real and they don't make it. Yeah. So I, I, that's not the rule of thumb. That's not, <laughs> I, I know statistically completely correct, but just in an observation standpoint, it yeah. happens a lot. No, it's so and, true. Um, and so you have to guard yourself in, in every way in, in that sense. And I think the older you get, the more you, you can be guarded, you know? Mm, so. I love that, Chad. And I love that in this season of, of quote unquote, like waiting on God in singleness, like you, we're preparing to be the very best version of yourself. And you had a high standard. You had a list of things that you were really preying on. And I think that what is so fine and totally like great about having a list of standards is when you're also working on those standards for yourself and you also uphold yourself to that same level, right? Because I think sometimes we're like, I want all these amazing things because I want somebody in my life that's going to make my life perfect and be super amazing and all the things I want. But you're not also willing to do the work to look at and, and, and shape yourself. You know, I'm like, okay, that's great. If you have these things you're looking for, what about are, can you uphold yourself to the same level of standards? You know, like, Boy, that's the truth. It is, right? And wow. sometimes when I think about it too, I'm like, oh man, I'm expecting of this specifically of this guy, but am I even really doing that in my life? <laughs> you know, yeah. and kind of turning the finger back to ourselves as well. Hey, you guys, so I want to take a quick break in our amazing conversation today to share with you our incredible sponsor. I honestly love our sponsors so much because they help us make this podcast possible. And I only really share sponsors with you guys that we really, truly believe in as a team. 
So today, this podcast is brought to you by the incredible Denison Ministries. Denison Ministries is a movement that is encouraging Christians to be committed to carrying out the truths of the gospel within their sphere of influence through a variety of ways, which is also why Denison Ministries loves Heart of Dating because that is what we are doing here. Now, if y'all need a new way to start off your decade fresh and committed to God's word, then I want to recommend that you check out Denison Ministries' First 15 devotional. Verse 15 is designed to help you spend the first 15 minutes of your day experiencing God through impactful devotionals, scripture, worship, and prayer. You guys, we need to take this time to have undivided devotion to the Lord and set ourselves up with disciplines right now in our singleness that will bless our future marriage one day. I love First 15 because they have a podcast that's super easy to listen to in the mornings or while you're getting ready or on your way to work. Or you can even sign up for the First 15 email devotional and get it sent directly to your inbox by going to first15.org forward slash subscribe. Thank you so much, Denison Ministries. We love you guys. And now without further ado, back to our awesome conversation. Let's talk just quickly about prayer too, because I know you specifically prayed. And what was so cool, Chad, is when I heard your story about praying at the Western Wall and in Israel, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this, you know, and I kind of have gotten on a kick more so this year of just being more intentional with the kinds of prayers I'm praying, of how I'm praying for things, how specific I'm being to God and with God. And I actually did. I wrote a prayer. You inspired me about like praying to God for my future husband, very specifically, full page, put it in the Western wall, (laughs) the wailing wall and prayed over it. I'm so, I just, I love that. Thinking of that moment right now is so special, but in first John 5, 15, it says, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Like we can present our request to God. And I think that sometimes we're really loose with that. Tell us a little bit about what inspired you to pray that specific prayer at the Western wall and even just specific prayers within your singleness before for that. Yeah. This, this singularly, I will tell you right now, Kate was, this is not just what ushered in a whole new level of my life and being able to meet Brittany and change in ministry and literally creating the most beautiful picture I could have ever imagined in life. But this transformed my life of prayer mm. because never before had I seen that it wasn't just about me praying for something I had to move into a relationship that was deeper that I had to prepare myself for him saying no. Mm, So it wasn't just about preparing for him, preparing my heart for him to give me what I wanted, but it also was preparing my heart. What if he told me no? What if he said, that's not what I have for you? Mm. Chad, I'm just going to have you for the rest of your life now be single and you're just going to serve me and you're going to, you know, serve graciously and, and lovingly and, and so it moved me into a capacity that I never have gone so deep with the Lord that I began to, to, to pray. Like I said, fast. The fasting went from Wednesday then to two days and then to seven days and then yeah. to 14 days. And then, you know, I, I was privileged to do a 40-day fast. And, and listen, that, that was transformation wow. central for me when I came to the place that I got so real I denied so much and I just got serious about prayer. The average person, mm-hmm. I was 100% average. If not, I was worse than average and, and, and a failure in the area of prayer. 
I prayed so nominally. I prayed so casually. I never got super serious. I prayed for other people at times. I just didn't take it to the next level. Mm. And this pressed me into a deeper relationship. It baptized me into some anguish. Mm. But when I came out of it, I was a brand new man. And so my relationship with the Lord was different. How I spoke to him was different. I began to, as the old preacher used to say, I picked up the phone in the morning and I never, ever hung up. (laughs) And so I just, I got into a a mode where I just, I was in communion with him every day. Mm. And I would be driving down the road and talking to him and he'd be filling my car with his presence. And I was okay because at that point, I'd never been so filled with his presence. So he became my all and all. And then it just covered all the fears. It covered all the hurt. And in the moments that I did have those times where, and they were thick at times where I just was feeling bad. Then I learned I didn't have to call a friend Mm -hmm. and I didn't have to long to have someone else to talk to, but I could go directly to him. Yes, And that has never stopped. Okay. That has never Mm. stopped one minute. It's only poured over into my marriage. It's poured over into my ministry. I'm leading our church in uh, methods of prayer. We pray every Wednesday night. We, we don't, I don't preach. We just pray together as a church. Uh, I'm just leading people into the importance of going deeper. And Mm. so in a specific sense, of course you pray those specific prayers, but I want to share with you like the acts method of prayer, ACTS. Mm, yeah. And and I begin to to pray with adoration. So I begin to to speak to him and adore him. And I never yes. prayed in that way. But this was also a way in which that he was teaching me that one day I would show affirmation and love to someone else. So I told him how much I loved him and why I loved him. Then I begin to confess yes. the see. I begin to confess with my mouth and just be honest. Lord there's some sins in my life that I shouldn't have. And there's also some sins I've committed because there's some things I should be doing and I'm not. So my sins of commission, my sins of omission. Mm. And then I got into Thanksgiving, not just like, here's my five things I'm most thankful for, but I even thanked him for my single times. I thanked him for the protection of my life. I thanked him for his ministry of delay because see, he delayed so many things in my life for a reason. Mm. You know, Uh, I probably wasn't ready for Brittany. 10 years before, you know, Mm -hmm. well, she wouldn't have been because she was 15. But anyway, (laughs) uh, but, but honestly, like, you know, I I had to thank him for every moment, good and bad, and thank him for everything he'd done and then come to the place of like supplication and then serving and saying, Lord, I just want to. So I, I I adopted that method of acts in my life that I begin to pray so specifically and not just routinely, like habitually, like say the same thing, lay me down to rest. But right. in a way that I had a systematic way to go to him and petition his throne. And when I put everything and everybody else in front of me, then I petitioned his throne at the end and said, Lord, you know, not my will, but thine being done. Mm. And and I do truly want to be a tool in your hand. And if by chance you could fulfill this in my heart, then I would love to meet her. And I promise you I'm going to serve you and I'm going to serve her. And I pray that we can serve together. And uh, it didn't happen right away. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen over a course of a week. It happened over a course of years. But it grew me. It helped me. It helped me to be genuine when people would say, hey, Chad, would you pray for me? And I would truly pray for them. Mm. Um, And so now it's become such an intricate and intrinsic part of who I am. I spent even so much time while we were over in Israel just praying. I mean, yeah. from side to side, I just, I'd be driving down the road and just talking out loud and 
I sat by Nathan, you know, yes. on, on the bus and one, you know, he got talking to me and I'm just like, I kind of hit him on the leg and I'm, they're just crying, you know, on the bus, I'm just talking to him and just, you know, and you have those moments, but it, it just took time. I would love to tell you when I was 25, I had that kind of relationship with the Lord, but I did. Yeah. Um, I just didn't. And, uh, too, too many other things had distracted me or filled my mind and I just wasn't there. So I love that. I had some listeners send in questions because I always like to like ask people, what do you, this is the person I have coming on. Here's their story. What do you want to ask this person on top of just what I'm thinking to ask you? And someone asked, and I think you just answered it, but like with all of this, was it worth it to get married now and not earlier? Like, do you think it happened exactly how it should have? And so, Absolutely. yeah, wow. Absolutely. <laughs> and, 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 you know, they do say, Hindsight is twenty twenty. You look back, and I just wouldn't change a thing because mm-hmm. I, I didn't waste my years. Yeah, you made a you made a mention of of something that sometimes gets. I, I think it can be misleading. Yeah, and you talk about waiting on the Lord, right? And so many people, and I think I may have shared this with some of you, and when I was in Israel, yeah. but waiting on the Lord isn't sitting on a seat and patiently saying, "Okay, I'm not going to sit and say anything. I'm just going to wait on God because soon He's going to show up and He's going to deliver." Right. That is not waiting on the Lord. Yeah. You know, the Bible says, you know, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall walk and not faint. They, you know, when it speaks of that, it's speaking in the context of like a waiter or a waitress mm. coming to God and saying, what can I get for you? Mm. What can wow. I do for you? And when you begin to look at that and you see the dynamic and the content of what that truly means, it changes the narrative of why people are sitting and waiting. You know, I've said this a thousand times, finding God's will isn't finding a needle in a haystack. It's looking for a rhinoceros on a one-way street. You just (laughs) got to be on the right street. And you got to be so smack dab right there. It's obvious. It's right in front of you. And so while you're serving him, while you're right in the middle of his will, he will put him or her into your life and it will be so obvious. It'll just, they'll be there, you know? Wow. Um, and I think I shared this with you guys as well. Yeah, not this that, is so not good. That I, have, I love not that it. I have that much wisdom. No, you but do. when you go back to the book of Genesis and the greatest story ever told about a man finding a woman <laughs> is in Genesis when Adam re- recognizes he's lonely, he needs somebody. The great creator recognizes his creation. Adam needs someone else. And what does Adam do? He doesn't go into the paradise that he was given and looking in under every tree and looking in every bush. No, he fell asleep. When he woke up, there she was. (laughs) And so when you fall asleep in God's will and you're doing what he wants you to do and you're serving him, you're just going to wake up and they're going to be there. Wow. There's times right now that my wife and I will wake up and we're like, oh my God, we're married. (laughs) (laughs) We have these weird weird surreal moments where where we look at our kids, we're like, oh my gosh, we're parents. You know, I mean, my daughter's four. It's it's not like this just happened. We've been married for six years and together for seven. That didn't just happen, but we still have those moments. And so it's just so cool to be able to take that in and be like, wow, I can still remember the days that I longed for what I have now, you know, and, uh, and it makes it that much sweeter. And I love that too, because 
I mean, in Genesis, yeah, he went to sleep. and But, like, a person who might be listening right now who's like, but, Chad, I feel like I'm going to sleep every night and I'm trying to focus on God and it's still not happening. Like, what am I doing? What's wrong? You know? Like, right. That's what I feel like the people listening are thinking next. But, Absolutely. But, but I'm, I am that person. Yeah. Yeah, because... Because when it comes down to it, it's easy for me to say it in the position that I'm in, but could I said those exact same words when I was right in the middle of it? Mm. Because I didn't have right. the confidence, I didn't have the authority, and I didn't have the proof in my life. Yeah. But because I never gave up, and because I truly believe that then, and I truly believe it now, in his time, in his process, and in his preparation, mm. then he brought it to pass, and he allowed that to come to life. Yeah. And it was in his time. It wasn't in mine. Yes. I wish things would have been different in my life. I, I mean, I did, uh, you know, date some other people and I did, uh, you know, I mean, I, there was one lady in particular I dated. She had a son and I thought, well, maybe this is God's perfect will for my life. You know, uh, Jesus right. had a stepfather, <laughs> you know, I mean, hey, I, I so I I read books and thought, well, you know, I, I don't want to tell God no. Yeah. What is his perfect will? And then it just kept resonating in my life. No, 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 Chad. I, I want, I want you to push and press for mm. your, your, what's in your heart is the greatest thing. Mm. And I, and I kept pushing forward. And then I thought, well, I don't deserve that. Mm. I, I don't deserve that. I, I'm not that kind of guy. You know, I don't, I don't deserve to have this kind of person. And I don't deserve the, to, to have this kind of a level. Mm. And then God just kept reassuring and reconfirming in my heart to, to pray without ceasing, yeah. to press into him harder, and to just be patient. And that was difficult. There's mm -hmm. nothing easy about it. There were days that I did go to sleep and I woke up and I had still nobody in my life, mm -hmm. you know? And then I would go into mode where I'd be like, well, maybe I should help the Lord. <laughs> and I think I need to help him a little bit. So I need to go looking on social media or maybe I need to, uh, you know, start looking a little bit further or start asking people if they know somebody. And so then I started, you know, trying to take it in kind of in my own hands. And yeah. what I found was is in God's time. And I'm, I know he can use, I've met people that met on dating sites. Yep. He can use all kinds of things to put people together. He, he put, he used Facebook to put my wife and me together. <laughs> yes, but, Lord. <laughs> yes. But, but here's the thing. It was in his time and in his way. And it took two people. It wasn't just me. It was yes. also Brit. you know? I love so, it. Now, yeah. okay, this has all been so encouraging. And I want to ask you like this final question before we go into like wrapping things up, because this is a question from a woman. Okay. And I feel like you as a pastor will be able to answer this, but um, okay. lots of women feel this way. And especially in their thirties, they're like, how do you stay encouraged when you see single Christian men around you, your age, but they're not in any hurry to settle down. And I will be honest with you, Chad. I have seen this happen. I don't think this happened with you, but I've seen this happen where after 30, women suddenly are like, oh, I want to get married. Like, I mean, they may have not, they may still have wanted to before, but it's like this biological thing. Oh my gosh, I want to get married. I want to be, have a family. I want to be a mom and my eggs and my ovaries. Like I need to do this, right. you know? Right, right, right. And then, but with guys, I feel like I've also asked a lot of men in my life, friends that are in their thirties and some of them do really desire marriage, but a lot of them are like, yeah, after 30, I just kind of 
lost the desire. Not And they have the desire, but they're just not pursuing it at all. And so I see this happen a lot. How do Absolutely. you, <laughs> what is, what are your thoughts with that? And I don't want to just gender role or gender specify that this is always the case. I try to stay away from like anything too gender specific, but this does seem to happen. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a couple contributing factors from my perspective, from my viewpoint. Yeah. A, a, a couple of them is, you know, when guys find themselves there, maybe even like me, you had some bad relationships. And so then that keeps you super guarded. And then you're like, well, I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to be really protective. And then it's almost easier because then I have something else. So ministry for me was my something else. Right. I got to be so careful because I can't just let, you know, so I have this other greater thing that usurps any kind of other desire to have a relationship. Mm. And that had to be reconciled. See, that had to be brought down to a workable, understandable. And and I honestly, I had to crucify that. Mm. I had to say, I'm going to put that on the altar. And Lord, if you take that away, I would rather have a relationship than even that ministry. Yeah. Because ultimately, even when you look at family, my greatest calling isn't to my church. My greatest calling is to my family. Mm. You know, it's to my wife. I'm called to her. She's called to me. Yeah. That's our greatest calling. And then from there, wow, we can serve other people and we can be a great team, right? And if God yeah. puts us in that capacity, then we have a great calling on our life. But I think, you know, number one, as a contributing factor, it'd be, you know, poor relationships. And then two, I think, you know, after a certain period of time, it's just pure selfishness. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, I'm, I'm not even lying. I've had people in my office that are just so selfish. Now I'm in the deep South, right? I'm in South Carolina, yes. the belt buckle of the Bible belt. And <laughs> I've belt had buckle. guys in my office that got their camouflage on and they, but I'm not even exaggerating about this. They just went ahead and told their, you know, they're in premarital counseling now getting ready to be married. And they just went ahead and want to put it out there for three months. They won't be, they won't be coming home because they'll be out hunting. And it's just like, it's, it's pure selfishness. Wow. It's like, no, no, no. When you walk down that aisle and you say, I do, you say, I give all, I'm going to give you my everything. And that means, you know, if, if you guys come to a good, good uh, agreement and she says, okay, for you to be out hunting a little bit, that's fine. And you guys should come to a healthy agreement, but you telling your future wife, well, you won't have me for three months. You crazy. (laughs) And I think, I think that comes down to way our culture is it's so self-serving it's about us it's about our self-gratification yeah and i think even and i don't mean to to get off into a a controversial subject but i think especially with men with pornography with so much self-service when it comes to sensual and sexual things Mm. you know there used to be just this longing you know the bible even talks about it's married it's better to marry than to burn because there's something deep with inside of us that god he just lights on fire and it's beautiful it's meant to be incredible the most Mm. beautiful thing of marriage and so what happens too i think with a lot of guys is then they just they so fall into self-gratification yeah. and they just use up. So then they just find themselves, well, it's easy to gratify myself wow. to, to meet my own needs than to have somebody else meet it. So they don't even want it. They don't even want to date. They don't even want to try because then they're living in that. And then once again, like I rewind and say, God can't fix who you pretend to be. So then they just become very complex individuals. They become hard to deal with. And then this is where girls get burnt because then they go on a date and the guy just has the good looks and he's working out and he's got to seem to has it all together. And then he's an emotional basket case <laughs> because he's just 
he's not the complete package. I've never dealt with this ever before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Never. I'm I'm nailing it on the head. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that can go both ways. I know that can go to women too, but it seems to be a little bit lopsided, I think, even in the sense what I've dealt with in my perspective. Um, I agree. A lot of guys. And when we get into that age group, especially. Especially in the age group. And there is statistics around um, women are the ones more statistically willing to do self-help, to do therapy. And I don't want to put guys down. I just want to charge men to say like, hey, like there's a beauty to being vulnerable. There's a beauty to going through hardships. There's a beauty to figuring out how to be selfless and and figuring out more about yourself and I think that we've just lost a little bit of that especially and like it's why you know people listening to my podcast are like well why don't you start this specific thing for men or like a course for men and I'm like because the men won't buy it I would love to do a course for men but the women are the ones who are like pumped to do it and so if you can show me like 50 guys who will actually pay for something to for self-growth and dating then I'll make it you know like I will, but I've just been, and that's not to dog the amazing men in our community who are committed, but it's just, we just need more, you know? Um, yeah. And I think we well, need you're na- more of you that You are heart. nailing it. You are <laughs> nailing it. I recently did a study because yeah. I do with my counseling, I do, I do so many just intricate things with people. And then I have to finally come to a place because I'm just a guide. I, I you know, I, I I only have just so much expertise, and so then I'll have to recommend them to go and see a professional. And I recently did a study on what it means to be a sociopath or a narcissist. Wow. And so a lot of times men, and it usually comes down to men, they'll come in the office, and they fit so much criteria Mm -hmm. as they're dealing with relationship issues. And usually if it's between a husband and wife, a boyfriend and girlfriend, I almost nine times out of 10 can trace it back to previous relationships. So this doesn't just happen in one. It's been prevalent in their life time and time again. So it keeps showing itself. But here's an interesting statistic that goes just exactly with what you said. If you could get just 50 men to do it. So a a true sociopathic narcissist, a sociopath narcissist, only 1% of the population ever gets diagnosed. And the reason for it, it's not the fact that there's only 1% of our population that can be diagnosed. It's the fact they won't go and get diagnosed. <laughs> yes. It's the fact they will not submit to even getting help. They right. won't admit that they even have a problem. Mm. And so now these these pers- people, these individuals are walking around mm. and you can't do nothing with them. Yeah. You literally cannot do anything with them. Clinically, I mean, socially, you cannot do anything with them because you can't convince them that they have a problem, but yet they are very damaging in relationships. And this is where girls are getting hurt. Marriages are falling apart. And you don't find a lot of women that fit that criteria, but you do find a lot of men. And, uh, and isn't that something that's, that's an interesting and startling statistic. And it deals with the mental health. It deals with, you know, where, uh, people have allowed themselves to get to. And, Mm. and, uh, of course, as a, you know, in a spiritual sense, as a pastor, I know this just deals with pride. You know, a lot of this is just the pride of life and yes. and that's a whole, that's a whole other thing too. You oh know? man, it's so true. And I, you know, I've now been saying this repeatedly. It was from a guest that we had early on in 2019, but to me, therapy is the new tall. When I'm looking for a guy, I'm like, if you've been to therapy, I'm like, woo, you know, I mean, like, I'm like yeah. into it. And it's because it it is like, there is such a low amount of people in general who will even get specific counseling and help. But then when it comes to men, I found that to be even 
even lower um, in some ways. And I just want to say to all the brothers out there listening, like if you have men in your life that need this, like be the person, like, you know, encourage them, call them out. Like, let's just have deeper relationships and accountability because this is only going to change as a ripple effect. You know, one, we each have to keep each other accountable. You may be the person listening being like, well, I go to therapy and I've sorted through my stuff and I am trying to seek and grow better. And that's amazing. Now, Try to encourage your other people in your life to do that and set up discipleship. Invite the guy that may be a narcissist to a little discipleship or Bible study group, you know, like, let's start, like, I just want to charge people to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Listen, and one of the things I can encourage all the listeners to do is, you know, those particular labels. And now what I just mentioned was, you know, basically like a psychiatric label, Mm -hmm. but a lot of those labels aren't final for people. Because we are talking about a limitless God that can change lives. And when people do get into discipleship and they do see their folly and they see themselves for being prideful and they see themselves as being hurtful in their relationship, some of these folks can turn some of their behavior around. They can have behavioral modification and they can they can turn things, especially those people that just seem to leave a wake of hurt and heartache behind. And And this is where we can encourage people. It's just a step at a time. But to not just give give up and say, well, listen, that person's just this one thing. We're going to label them, but yes. to say, let's try to help them. Mm-hmm. And then once you've helped and you've done all you can, if they continue to push you away, then you know uh, you've done everything you can, yeah. but you've given them a chance to try to do what they need to do. Yeah. And so. not just be like, well, that's how they are. You know, like I had to, right. not to go on too much of a tangent that's the last thing I'll say, but I dated someone abusive for many years. And the people yeah. in my life who knew that person was just like, would just say, well, that's just how he is, Kate. Like, that's how he is. And I'm like, "Uh, how is everybody okay with him just being that way and not ever standing up to him? And therefore, when I complained about things that were happening, they were like, yeah, but like, that's how he is, you know? And, but they weren't, they weren't doing, they were still standing by him overly in friendship, not calling him out, never saying anything. And I was like, this is why this is continuing to happen. We see it and we're just like, well, that, and, and granted, yes, there is the level of like, if you try and you call someone out and they just, you know, there's a difference between the wise, the fool and the wicked. And it says Mm -hmm. that in Proverbs. And sometimes people just aren't going to listen to you (laughs) no matter what. And then you got to know, okay, I'm going to walk away. But I still would never stand for it if I saw it. I would still say, hey, that's not right. I'm not going to stand to watch that. I'm not going to stand to see you treating that person that way. You know, we have to be willing to stand up for the things that the Bible tells us to stand up for. (laughs) I'm passionate about it, Chad. (laughs) No, and and listen, and that passion comes from a place of pain, right? And sadly, you don't want people to have to repeat it. Yes. So you got to say it a little bit louder for those in the back. If, <laughs> if there is somebody that is treating you or mistreating you in, in a way that you know it's not right, you have every right to speak up. Yes. And if you know that there's somebody that's in an abusive relationship, whether it be verbally, ment- any way, mm. uh, especially physically, I mean, speak up and speak out and help them. Because mm. listen, you only get one shot at this thing anyway. And to have a healthy relationship is to have also healthy relationships. Mm. So if you have a good relationship with your husband and wife or your boyfriend, girlfriend, it's going to help in every other way. So many times I see when it's broken down on that first front, that, that, that focused relationship, everything else gets strained as well, Mm. you know, because then you begin to change your behavior. You begin to pull away from people. You get isolated and insulated. 
And the mm. next thing you know, you've lost another ship. You've lost, you know, and I've, I've yes. often said that, you know, it's just a, a life full of ships, relationships in every way. <laughs> and you've got to keep them all afloat. So. <laughs> life full of ships. I love it. Yeah. Chad, you are just, I'm so grateful for your story, your heart, your encouragement, and your deep passion and joy and using that to help other people. And so, at, at, on every interview, I end it with the same question that I'm going to ask you right now, which is, what is your final nugget of dating advice for the listeners today? I would say unequivocally to pray a specific prayer that God can answer in a specific way. Mm. Generalizing things, crossing your fingers and hoping so, doesn't make it so. Yeah. But God loves his children and he wants to answer these things. And if you don't know the Lord, you could you could truly come to know him. You can accept him. And if you do know the Lord, press into him and just petition him as a father. Mm. Abba, Father, would you answer this specific prayer in a very specific way? And I believe every time, not nine times, but 100 out of 100, he will answer it. It may not be the way you want it. But he will answer it yes. every single time. Yes. So, yeah. That is awesome, Chad. Thank you so much. You're Chad, welcome. If, You're welcome. If people want to connect with you or your church, will you just give out that information so they Absolutely. can they can be aware, especially if they're in the area where you where your church is? <laughs> yes. So we're in Anderson, South Carolina, and we're right in between Charlotte and Atlanta. We're mm. right smack dab in the middle. Okay. And so if you'd like to connect, we're at www.gospelightanderson.com, mm-hmm. gospelightanderson.com. If you're on Facebook, you can look us up at Gospelite Anderson, and there's no other Gospelite Anderson on there, so you can find us easily. Mm-hmm. And you can look me up on Facebook as Will Chad Gamble. Yes. Will Chad Gamble. So, and I'm not that stripper from Australia. I'm a different guy. All right. So I'm <laughs> Is the preacher. Really? <laughs> so the reason I had to change it on, uh, on social media, it was Chad Gamble for the longest time. And then there was, of course, as a youth pastor, there was young people, of course, when Facebook was getting bigger amongst that age group, they were befriend me. And there was a bald guy from Australia <laughs> That was a Chippendale stripper, and he was accepting their friends' request. Oh no! So, so I changed mine to Will Chad Gamble. <laughs> Is so, Will part of your name? Truly, it's it's William, but I just put Will Chad Gamble as a you know to try to change that. So, um, oh, that's hysterical. Okay, did that's not know crazy that. stuff. <laughs> Only in this crazy world we live in do you no, have seriously. a problem. So. Oh, Chad, you're the best. Thank you so much for everything you shared today. I just bless you you. and Brittany and your two amazing children and so thankful for your friendship and what you're doing out there. Thank you. And thank you for what you're doing. I'm telling you, you are (laughs) awesome. And you just keep up this incredible work. I promise you, your listeners hinge on these things that you say (laughs) and these nuggets and these things that you are bringing into their life and breathing these words. So keep up the good work. I love it. Love it. God bless you. You too. My goodness, friends, I am just so inspired by Pastor Chad and his beautiful testimony today. 
I hope this conversation has been an inspiration to you and anyone who is feeling weary or worn down in their singleness. I want to encourage you to never stop praying. He is good and faithful and he is with you and he has amazing things in store for you that are beyond what you could ever wish or imagine for yourself. And I also want to remind you, you guys, I'm here in this journey with you. I am praying alongside of you and also working through my own weariness at times in singleness. But what I can say is that nothing is sweeter than the love of Jesus. Singleness is a gift that allowed me to go to Israel on a whim with very short notice and spend 10 days in the most sacred and wonderful places and even meet someone as amazing as Pastor Chad. So I want to encourage you, continue to embrace your current season, cling to pursuing Jesus and pursuing prayer and never giving up on dating all the while clinging to renewed hope. It is possible and I am with you. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network.